for this. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hi, welcome to Deep Pro. I'm your host. Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep Bro. I've got uh, quite an interesting episode for you this week. I've been traveling around and uh, so much more time to reflect these days. Now that I sit on airplanes a little bit again and in hotel rooms and uh, meet lots of people and it's like uh, it's like I'm in between two worlds. The world that I inhabited before I became a parent and now, uh, now this world, it's super bizarre. The world that I, I am a parent with real responsibilities. It's funny because I was, um, after my show was over in Houston, uh, people backstage, the booker, who were very, very lovely people, and all these comedians, they were like, are we going to fucking party? And I was like, oh, I am. They're like, it's one, you have one glass of Chardonnay. I'm like, yep, that's how I do. I might have two. What? I might go back to my hotel room and watch the Bravo channel until midnight. What? What? <laughs> Speaking of tour, I have two more dates left on the main Mother Goddess tour. I do October 23rd. God, I hope I'm getting this right in Indianapolis. October 24th in Cincinnati at Go Bananas. I have tickets on the links are at thousandranch.com. Come out and see me. I've just been having a ball meeting you guys because uh, I, I hang out after the show because it's only one show and I don't I don't feel uh, compelled to run back to my hotel and uh, overeat and hide because I'm only doing one show so it's like super positive, super fun, positive energy. Uh, so come check me out there thousandranch.com for tickets spelled out thousand ranch and then uh, amazon do me a favor if you're shopping on amazon i know you are i hope you are because it's so much better for your life why go why leave your house why go outside when you can stay indoors and just have it delivered to you <laughs> use my banner go to that's deepropodcast.com click on the banner at the bottom of every post and do your shopping as you normally would. Just kicks back some change. Especially with the holidays coming, please don't tell me you're going to a mall and then mailing gifts. Get your entire life and do it on Amazon. Have it shipped to other people. Have it shipped so that you're not traveling with packages. Because believe you me, homie, TSA is going to go through that lickety split. Uh, so if you got some stuff wrapped in, in your carry on, forget it. They're going to tear it apart. They're going to, they're going to make you miserable. And the bomb squad's going to come to make sure that the, um, 40 year old, uh, white blonde lady who, uh, is wearing gap clothes is not a threat to national security. Cause I've, I've set off the bomb alarm twice where I've had to wait for, um, the LA bomb squad at the airport to come and, and swipe my, my, um, my Kindle and my shoes. Cause there's something I'm doing something. I'm walking on some kind of fertilizer. They were saying, who the fuck knows who cares? And that's it. What the fuck? Let's go. Let's go. I got my dogs sleeping under my feet as usual. I, I took them for a walk today, which was, I, this is my first time in a couple of years. <laughs> So they're all tuckered out. Hopefully they won't bark during my show today, and that'd be cool. I got my nanny back, ooh, ooh, which means I can I can scream, I can shout because my kid isn't sleeping next door as I'm recording this. Very exciting shit. And, uh, oh, man, I'm super stoked because what month is it? Oh, yeah, it is uh, October. Or Toptober, as they used to say in Los Angeles on 97.1, they would market it as at, as a Toptober. How fucking horrible and um, depressing is that, right? God, it was so corny, like as if Toptober. 
<laughs> so stupid. Anyways, why not? I absolutely love this month. I think October is my favorite because it's the beginning of fall and uh, things change. I love the idea of seasonals, seasonal change. I, I fucking love Halloween. I love everything spooky and goth and let's fucking goth down y'all. Hopefully some of you listening are recovering goths like your main mommy, Christina P. Uh, let's do some Bauhaus today, right? All right. It plays. <laughs> I've been listening to this song since I was, what, 14? <laughs> I haven't really grown past 14. I love this shit. I don't think I'm ever going to grow out of being God, man. Oh, listen to this. Yeah. It's rad. It's so stupid. It, the goth movement was so silly. But I can't stop liking it. Um... Much like punk, but punk had some kind of purpose. It was a little anti-consumer, you know, a little DIY, a little stick it to the man, a little shake it the fuck up, wake up. I think a, little, a lot of punk could be pretty relevant today. I think people need to be woken up for, uh, I don't know if you watch the debates, but I'm fucking depressed. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's like a bad show. It It is the Idiocracy movie uh, come to life. It is the prophecy known as idiocracy with President Camacho. Isn't that nuts that a potential person who could lead our country uh, is talking about grabbing pussies? <laughs> it just blows, it blows my mind. And I'm not sure, I haven't really thought about it enough, but I'm not sure how we got here. I know a little bit, you know, I understand this is a time when uh, people start to blame Muslims for everything, right? We're scapegoating. Uh, we're trying to find a, an easy solution to a very complicated problem. And that's what Trump is really, you know, honing in on. Those extremists, the Muslims, it's the Muslims, it's this and that. So it should be interesting, man. What a, what a fucked up crazy time. And I'm not saying Hillary's perfect either. I mean, she's had a few skeletons in her goth closet too. But... Uh, Holy smokes. What a time. What a what a fucking bizarro time to live in. So yeah, goth. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so I can't wait. I still haven't gotten my uh, 40-year-old goth gear. I uh, I ordered some some like old school goth shit. Like kind of gothic looking coats <laughs> and a dress and it's like they're making it right now. That's how that's how um how goth I am it has to be made because it's like made with cotton or some shit. I don't who knows. So I went to Dallas and Houston this week. And before that, I went to Portland and Tacoma. Let's be real. It wasn't Seattle. It was Tacoma. And it was so weird because there was a fight in the back of the room. I'm like, what is happening? 
Oh my God. But I got to meet so many of, of li- the listeners of your mom's house and that's deep bro. And I, it really means a lot to me to see you guys in person and, and, you know, put faces to emails that I've read and, Ugh, it's just, it's wild, man, that we can use the internet for something positive other than like, you know, uh, tiny dogs getting their hair dried, which I love. You know, the, the internet's not just for masturbation, it's for connecting people. And I'm so thankful that, uh, that uh, podcasting has actually done that. It's so rad. Um, and I also, I lost use of my cell phone as I was traveling, I, I got a new iPhone and I started the process of activating it, not realizing that I'd actually already activated it. So the next morning at 6 a.m., I get on a plane, excuse me, and I have my old phone with me. And of course, the SIM card is dead, doesn't work because I've activated this other phone. And I had no phone really for, for two traveling days. And it was kind of a, a trip, you know, because I mean, I grew up that way. A lot of people grew up without a phone, a cell phone on you 24-7. My whole life, up until I was 20, I didn't have, um, I had my first cell phone in 1999, and I had graduated college, so I didn't have a phone on me all the time until I joined the workforce, basically, out of college. So this wasn't foreign to me, but because I'm so used to it, um, it was like uh, like a moment of just hot panic, it's that moment of panic. I don't know if you've ever left your um, like your Nook or your Kindle or whatever on an airplane before. Oh, my God. And just as you deplane and just as you're like in the car and you've gotten your bag, you go, oh, I left my fucking Kindle on the plane. <laughs> and it's that, that panic of like, oh, my God, my device is out there in the world. Some scumbag is has uh, opened up all the secrets to my world and they're looking at all my ridiculous emails and how the fuck do I get this back? I just want to be normal again. I want to be whole again. I want my phone back. So after that initial panic of, I can't make phone calls. I couldn't even make a phone call because they ripped out all the public phones at LAX airport, any airport. I haven't seen a pay phone and, you know, I haven't looked for a pay phone in 10 years, but try looking for one now. I certainly could not find one. And I thought this is so horrible that i'm i'm thoroughly disconnected from the world uh but then of course i figured out i could still use my wi-fi connection and check emails and send some text messages but but uh, it was really um depressing how unglued i became (laughs) like really unglued at the thought of not being able to make a phone call in my pocket um at any given moment or send a text message which if you read my text messages 90% are about just nonsense. It's not information. You know, a good, a good percentage of me and Tommy's, my husband's text messaging is informative, right? You know, pick up the kid from here, do move the kid here. Uh, what's for dinner? What time is, you know, so-and-so coming over, blah, 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 like information. And then 90% is about me texting a friend about the shit that I'm taking at that moment or someone texting me about the shit they took today that reminded them of me. Um, just bad jokes. A lot of, uh, you know, screen grabs of stupid shit on Instagram that I find horrible. It's like, what a, what a colossal waste. And I'm spending so much money to send these retarded texts to people. <laughs> but um, pretty interesting, man, to go back in time a little bit and, and live and and live off the grid just a little. I haven't done that in a while. I used to go on vacations and totally unplug, totally unplug. And it made my husband crazy because I enjoyed it. I really, I enjoy just disconnecting and not checking emails and not, not giving a fuck about the dumb things I care about the majority of my life. But um, it's been a while since I've been able to do that. And um, yeah, really cool to have a feeling of, of just cold sweat. But uh, Dallas, Houston was great. Had a lot of fun, excellent shows, and I'm back. And I okay, so I got to reading this book this week um, about adult children of alcoholics, and um, I wanted to kind of uh, I thought about the people listening to this show because so much of the crap that I was reading was like, oh, 
yes, that's me. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think it necessarily has to pertain to adult children of alcoholics to be relevant because I think if you grew up in an environment, um, as I did, like my mother was mentally ill, and I think that if you grow up in any kind of nutty environment uh, where you have to cover up, lie, um, conceal, where you don't, you didn't want to invite people over <laughs> growing up, uh, just because you knew you'd have a lot of explaining to do, or maybe you weren't allowed to. My mother never let me invite people over. Uh, very strict about that kind of thing. I think I had a friend sleep over once at my mother's house the like my entire life growing up. Yeah, actually, yeah, I don't I think one time my my friend that lived in the apartment complex that we grew up in was permitted to sleep over and that and that was it. That was the once the one one time deal. So, the book is called Adult Children of Alcoholics and if I try to tell you who wrote it, I will lose my page on this fucking Kindle and I won't be able to um to go back. Just forget it. So Adult Children of Alcoholics, I'll put it on my website, that's deeppropodcast.com, so you guys can see the book that I'm referring to. It's it's like not a fancy book, which is my preference. I prefer not fancy because, you know, it doesn't have to be. I don't know why everything has to be so goddamn complicated. Uh Oh, I'm sorry. I probably messed up this audio a little bit. Forgive me if you heard some skippage or something. We're having a little problem in the uh, studio. We're about to move, thank God. But before that, we got we got to make do. We got to make do. Okay, so this book, Adult Children of Alcoholics, here it goes. I, I totally related to so much of this shit. Um, so this is interesting. Adult Children of Alcoholics, guess at what normal is. <laughs> Okay. Now, <laughs> I read that and I was like, whoa, I've been waiting for someone to articulate that my entire life. Because <laughs> I'm always like, I, I've always assumed that what was on television was normal, like um, sitcoms. Like I grew up on like Family Ties or uh, Facts of Life or Silver Spoons or whatever horseshit show. And I figured that was normal, and then what was happening at home was always just bananas. Uh, and even today as an adult, I, I find myself like, okay, so wait, I, I have to ask people what normal is all the time, because um, I don't really know. I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to read that statement. Um, adult children of alcoholics guess of what, uh, at what normal is. The significance of the statement cannot be overestimated, and it is their most that it is as it is their most profound characteristics. Yes. Adult children of alcoholics simply have no experience with what is normal. Many of them join AA or Al-Anon. I'm often amused at what happens when they reach the second step. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. They absolutely believe that it's certainly true. It's certainly significant and important and essential to recovery. However, they don't know what sanity is. They look at things that appear to be normal and try to copy them. Yet what they are copying may or may not be normal, so they're behaving as if they are normal without having a basis for that decision. Yeah. It's similar to the kind of feelings homosexuals have before coming out of the closet. Having spent a whole lifetime covering up in order not to be found out, they're suffering from a great deal of confusion. Yeah, you spend your whole life guessing at what normal is and then you're just trying to act it out a lot and um you feel like a real alien like i i think what i've said on this show um about feeling like a space alien my whole life is uh, that statement totally encapsulates it that i'm guessing at what normal is and i think i find myself in therapy a lot asking like okay so what do what do people do <laughs> What's normal? What am I supposed to feel here? What like what's the and then I what really makes me crazy is that um, my therapist will be like, well, you know, there's no such thing as normal. I'm like, no, there is. Believe me, I think there is. And I they say things like, well, there's either functional or dysfunctional. I'm like, well, then functional means normal, right? Isn't that the fucking definition of functional? That which works, that which serves properly, normal. God damn it. Um. So yeah, I find, I've been, I think my whole life has been this quest of uh, figuring out what normal is. 
And for for anybody listening who who gets what I'm saying, it, it is like the core of our shit, right? Like when you grow up in nuttiness, you're just searching for a, a, for some definition to help you out. To be like, if I just do that, if I just do that, then I'll be okay. So I, I really like that. Oh man, that just blew my mind. Here's another one. Number two, children of alcoholics have difficulty in following a project through from beginning to end. So a lot of that comes from, you know, let's say you have an alcoholic parent and you go, I want to make this project. I want to build a a treehouse. And then the parent is supposed to say, great, well, let's break it down into steps. How would one do that? And then the child will go, well, you want to, we should go to the, we should draw a plan up. Let's draw a plan up about, okay, great. And then we'll go down to the store. We'll buy this thing and that, and then we'll, we'll put a tree house together. Well, yeah, alcoholic parents or crazy parents don't do that. And instead you kind of just get frazzled as a kid because nobody shows you that there are steps along the way and you do it yourself and then it, you know, doesn't work out. So you get frustrated. Um, there's no sense of completion, you know, cause usually a drunk parent will forget they've promised you something or whatever. And then, uh, and then you grow up never finishing shit. Now I've gotten over that as, as an adult, but I definitely had some of that. I think, um, I think, uh, up, uh, up until my late twenties, early thirties, I had that trait where I would just either procrastinate or just not do it. <laughs> uh, but it's so important. What just happened? It's so important to finish what you start. Obviously. Okay. Number three, adult children of alcoholics lie when it would be just as easy to tell the truth. Oh, yeah. Because if you're in a a fucked up family, uh, lying is number number one. You got to lie to each other all the time. You got to ignore things, big major elephants in the room that, that occur. You know, horrible things that happen. And then the next day you act like it's totally normal. That's for the course and so I guess a lot of children of alcoholics grow up lying all the time when like there's no need to and I, I think I did a lot of that too like in my 20s like well, I would lie to people all the time for no reason like about things that I didn't have to lie about so dumb okay here we go number four adult children of alcoholics judge themselves without mercy ugh ugh I mean hello is that not the point of this whole podcast? You know, I, this this book should just be called um, "If You Had Any Kind of Dysfunctional Family." I don't, I don't know, I don't know. If it necessarily pertains to just alcoholics, because my God, I think a lot of people that write into this show have a lot of these issues. So I don't know. Maybe if you're listening, did you have a drunk uh, mommy daddy? Did you have a crazy mommy daddy? Okay, so they judge themselves. When you were a child, there was no way that you were good enough. Oh, yeah. You were constantly criticized. You believed that your family would be better off without you because you were the cause of the trouble. You may have been criticized for things that made no sense. If you weren't such a rotten kid, I wouldn't have to drink. Is that That's the quote. <laughs> How horrible is that? Nah, no one said that one to me. God, thank God. But I'm sure many people have heard that. Anyway, if you hear something long enough, for long enough period of time, you'll end up believing it. And so you grow up internalizing that horrible parent and um, you are relentlessly shitty to yourself, uh, 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 which I can, I totally get. I think my mother, I remember one time I had um, a report card and I had all A's on it with the exception of one B. And uh, I remember her being like, you know, this is okay, these A's, but this B could become an A in no time. <laughs> like, she was uh, lecturing me on how the B wasn't uh, good enough. It was so fucking crazy. And I remember being a little kid and being like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute. I don't think this is normal. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Nor- what is normal? Uh, you know what? I'm so sick of people saying, well, what is normal? Well, I'll tell you what normal is. Normal isn't telling your kid when they come home with straight A's and one B that the B needs to be an A. Okay. Okay. Normal, normal would be great job. Let's go for pizza. So these, that's normal. There is such a thing as normal. God damn it. Don't tell me that. Uh, number five, 
tell me if this doesn't sound like you. Adult children of alcoholics have difficulty having fun. <laughs> of course. Who's having fun? Who's got time for fun in life? Kidding me? I got too many things to worry about. I got to worry about this career. I got to worry about the kid. I got to worry about my husband. I got to worry about my dogs, right? There's no time for fun, which is so true. I mean, look, if you grew up in a chaotic environment, um, I think the the thing is we're always looking for control, right? You're You're trying to control every aspect of your life. So if you're not looking at the things or dealing with the things that you need to control and having fun, then you're not controlling things. Do you get my point? If you're not constantly in a a state of panic over what you're not doing, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's what you're watching the, um, you know, you're, you're watching the, I don't know what the fucking saying, there's no saying for it, but you're just watching everything to make sure that it all doesn't fall apart all the time. There's no such thing as, as frivolity. So what, what this book tells you is that um, you should hang out with a kid, basically, and, and go play and go swing and have fun and, and embrace your inner child. Inner child, inner child. Uh, yeah, so those, those of you who have grown up in chaotic environments know that uh, adult fun is it's hard to come by, right? Uh, You've you got to force it in there, and especially because you become workaholics. Most of us do. I have, uh, which is why I started this podcast. I don't know if you remember my little uh, breakdown in Denver um, where I was crocheting and drinking during the day. And I thought, what? Something's wrong. I got to take a step back from touring and and I got to focus elsewhere. And I did. And I started this show. So there you go. Uh, But yeah, no fun. No fun. You have to work all the time, right? Adult children of alcoholics take themselves very, very seriously. So this is totally linked to not having fun. You also take yourself very, very seriously. Uh, once again, in order, like, hold on, how fun was your childhood? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I think the point is you didn't, you didn't have much fun growing up. Life was a serious, angry business. You didn't really learn to play with the other kids. You could join in some of the games, but were you really able to let yourself go and have fun? No, <laughs> never. Even if you could have, it was discouraged. The tone around the house put a damper on fun. Eventually, you just went along with everybody else. Oh, gosh. So you're the spontaneous child within was squashed. That's what they say. Sad, right? It's so funny. Oh, you have trouble separating yourself from your work, so you take yourself very seriously at whatever job you have to do. You can take the work seriously, but not yourself. You are therefore a prime candidate for burnout. Oh, that's another thing that adult children of alcoholics do is they take on way too much responsibility because they don't have boundaries. They don't say no. And then they get burnt out or sick and then it forces them to take a step back and it forces other people to care for them. Isn't that horrifying? Yeah, it happens too. Um, now that one, I, I haven't made myself sick and I, I, and that's, I think on this show I've talked about things like scheduling, uh, which is really, really, really important to me to, to carve out time for fun, for, family for work for everything you, you you just have to schedule it and that's what they this book encourages people to do that have that trade if you're a workaholic if you are no fun if you're <laughs> um if you take yourself very seriously you gotta carve out time for other stuff for the fun stuff for for everything otherwise you're gonna have a fucking horrible life adult children of alcoholics have difficulty with intimate relationships uh nada it's really because you have no frame of reference for a healthy, intimate relationship because you've never seen one. The only model you have is your parents. <laughs> so we know that if you grew up with two drunks, then, well, you're not going to have a very good uh, thing. The push-pull thing feels good. Approach avoidance, right? I want you, go away. That's something a lot of us grew up with. So you, that's why you date the jerks. And if you're listening to this and you go, well, Christina, how do I stop dating jerks? Guess what? I did a whole episode on it called Stop Dating Jerks, I believe, or something similar. Date the good guys and girls. Whole episode where I tell you exactly what to do because I fucking can't stand it. I can't do it personally in my life. I've dated a few jerks, and it was so exhausting for me. I, I just couldn't do it, and I had to marry a nice guy. <laughs> you got you got to marry the good ones, okay? Okay? Don't, uh, don't go for the shit bags. It's, it's not worth it. You're just going to, oh, my God. Where's Dan Pena? What's he got to 
All right. You want to know why you're all fucked up? There we go, Dan. The audio is all over the place today, isn't it? Oh, my life. Oh, my life. Oh, I know why. Okay. It's too loud. We won't do too much of that then. Okay. Um, here we go. So we got that, the push-pull, the shitty relationships. Sounds like fun, right? Having um, alcoholic parents. Does that sound like a treat for anybody? <laughs> what a nightmare. God damn it. What a nightmare. Adult children of alcoholics overreact to changes over which they have no control. Young child of the alcoholic was not in control. So basically you grow up in an environment where you have no say over the horrors that you're witnessing over what's happening around you. So when you grow up, you become very rigid and very scared of losing control all the time. So anything that comes at you that's out of the norm feels like a horrible spiral of death and destruction and anxiety and depression kick in because you don't want to deal with the change of the thing that is happening to you. Totally, totally elementary, right? Hello. Um, they don't like to change the routines too. That's another one I read. That's so true. Like once you get stuck in a, a routine, you, you want to keep it that way because it feels good, right? You finally have a semblance of, of a life that makes sense. So you don't want that ruined. Um, but they tell you, this book will tell you to, hey, you better loosen up your schedule, you know, uh, make, make room for spontaneity. Apparently normal people have spontaneous things happen. So uh, there you go. That, that makes people happy is spontaneity. Okay, adult children of alcoholics constantly seek approval and affirmation. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so. uh, When a child is born, the environment pretty much dictates how he's going to feel about himself. The school, the church, and other people all have influence, but the most important influence is what we call significant others. In the child's world, this means the parents. So if you grow up with people that don't know how to validate you, how to build self-esteem and positive self-image, guess what? The hole that is inside of you is so fucking vast and so deep that when people do compliment you, you can't even can't even internalize it. It doesn't even, it just doesn't register because your hole is so, um, so deep. Uh, and uh, that's terrible. So this book will tell you to do things like uh, note the positive things you do every day right? Even small things like you got out of bed, positive energy. Um, maybe you went to your job, positive energy. Maybe you made yourself a healthy meal, positive energy, like affirm yourself all the time, shit like that. Adult children of alcoholics feel that they are different from other people. Ah, of course. And to some degree they actually are. Yet there are more of them than they are aware of. That's the thing, right? You grow up with nutbags for parents and you think that you're the only motherfucker on the planet that grew up with that. And the more I do this show, the more I realize that there are more of us than there are of them. Okay? By them, I mean they. Those that we think have it all. Those that grew up in a perfect environment. Most of us grew up fucked up. And can I tell you, as someone that's become a parent now, I see it more than ever. Okay? Please. I see it in people that own fucking dogs. 90%, that's too high. I would say like 75% of the people that own dogs are douchebags and don't do what they're supposed to do, right? Imagine what it's like for people. Oh, Madon, forget it. Forget it. I mean, that's a human we're talking about. Raising, and you know how much work goes into raising a person? A human takes so much more conscious awareness and... um and energy and, and resources. <laughs> I mean, there's no way people are doing a good job of that. There's no fucking way. I know there isn't. I know there isn't. Oh, God, this one just kills me. Ready? Number 12. Adult children of alcoholics are extremely loyal, even in the face of evidence that the loyalty is undeserved. Oh, 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 get your entire life. How many of you, I've done this before, where you're like, well, so-and-so was nice to me five, ten years ago, and I owe them my life now, right? Right? Someone's nice to you at a time back then. Don't you owe them friendship, loyalty, whatever, money, the rest of your life? No. And that's what this book will tell you that. Um, 
well, maybe you had a relationship that was a certain way, but then once people settle into relationships, they can change. They can be better. They can be worse. They can be complacent. They can be nasty to you. They can be whatever. And so dynamics change and you have to adapt based on the change that occurred in the relationship. But a lot of us are so afraid of losing that which we know because God knows you grew up in an environment where shit was chaotic and you don't make sense of things. So you don't want to lose anything because you think this is your last chance to ever have this thing, this relationship, this person, this opportunity, this whatever. And it gets real hard. (sighs) Sorry, I drink water. Uh, to say goodbye and move on to bigger, better things, better things. Because that's the thing when something is, here's what we don't think about. You know, I remember when I would get together, um, with a boyfriend, I'd be like, Oh my God, I can't imagine breaking up with them. Like, you know, when you're so happy, you're like, Oh God, I hope we never, how could I even handle it? How could I handle it? But then you realize by the time you get to the point where you want to break up with somebody that you're so fucking miserable that you're okay with the feeling when it comes around, you know, you're, you're there already. That's kind of what that is. Like, so I know a lot of you write to me and you're like, I don't know if I should break up with this person. How do I do this thing? How do I take this leap of faith? How do I, how do I, I'm scared. <coughs> and just know that the reason you're changing your life is because something is not working, right? Like, the relationship ain't working, the the job ain't working, the whatever, the living situation, the fucking town, the whatever, it's not working. But you rather know what is broken, you'd rather stay in what feels comfortable than the uncomfortability of change. But that's torture, right? It's you torture and you know that anything would be better. Actually, when you think about it rationally, almost anything would be better than the suffering that you're in. It's usually why change occurs because you're just suffering in something horrible. So there. So uh, that's what this book will tell you too is to uh, reassess the relationship that you're in and and what you're getting out of it because if you're feeling like people are taking advantage of you or they're not as nice to you as they were, it's probably the case and you should probably get out. Okay, 13. Oh, fuck. Adult children of alcoholics are impulsive. They tend to lock themselves into a course of action without giving serious consideration to alternative behaviors or possible consequences. This impulsivity leads to confusion, self-loathing, and loss of control over their environment. In addition, they spend an excessive amount of time cleaning up the mess. (laughs) I mean, has someone been reading my diary? (laughs) Uh, How many times in my 20s? maybe in my early 30s before I was in therapy did I make shitty impulsive decisions and then have to clean up the wreckage and you do that because that pattern feels normal to you why because you grew up with lunacy so that's what you know inside is normal lunacy fucking lunacy and a lot of it too is because if you grew up with a drunk parent uh you're you know You'd be like, uh, hey, I want to go to Disneyland. And then that parent would be like, yeah, we'll go next week. Glug, 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 glug. And then next week comes and you're like, aren't we going to Disneyland? What are you talking about? We didn't say anything. So uh, so if you don't get something now, 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 right, the impatience thing, the impulsive thing, you feel like it's never going to come because people have lied to you in the past and or adults, the adults that you depended on as a kid lied to you or didn't follow through on things and then you grow up to believe that nobody else will. There we go. Which is, oh boy. Oh boy. Because uh, your drunk parent will be like, we can talk about that later. And then you never talk about that later, right? You knew that promises for the future were broken. Oh my God. Oh my, what a, oh God. Okay. So there you go. Those were the uh, 13 um, things about adult children of alcoholics that resonate. And if any of that sounded familiar to you or sounds like something you'd get interested in, I can now scroll and tell you this book, who it is by Janet Geringer Wojtitz, W-O-I-T-I-T-Z. That's an even worse last name than mine. Janet Geringer Wojtitz. The number one Times New York bestseller. Wow, I guess there's a lot of people with drunks for parents. Heartbreaking. And I, again, I don't think that's just for alcoholics. It sounds to me like a lot of this stuff is just shitty parenting, um, which I think most people got. Now that I'm an adult, I look around. <laughs> I think most of us got the shaft. Just because of the time. I'm not saying that 
it's anybody's fault. I'm not blaming. I'm just saying that a lot of circumstances, this is before the advent of, of psychology. And, you know, a lot of us have parents that were born in an era where that was just unheard of. And, um, the dialogue of feelings and therapy and all that stuff, that that's pretty recent stuff. That's, that is in the grand scheme of human things, very new. So I'm not blaming at all. Um, and I definitely do not advocate wallowing or playing the victim with this shit. I only say this stuff to point it out. Um, if this sounds familiar, it might help you. It might actually ring bells and go, oh my God, thank God someone else is talking about this because I've felt this way my whole life and it's terrible. <laughs> uh, which is what I felt when I read it. So I thought I would pass that information along to you homies. So I wanted to read a wonderful email I got um, from uh, an artist. Oh, hello, arty party pant. Okay, I love this email. I thought this was very thought-provoking and very exciting. This is some somebody named Vedi. Vidi, Valdi, Vidi. Vedi Djokovic. Djokovic. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but you sound Russian. Some kind of vichsky butsky. Okay. Uh... Okay, so he's talking, emails me about the discussion on how important failure is and the need to keep going when you encounter it. It is so interesting how everything we learn is through trial and error, from walking and riding a bike, etc. Yet as we get older, there seems to be a lot of external and internal guilt about trying something new. As an artist, I can relate to the struggle, self-doubt, and constant questioning when trying to create new work. And I believe this will be an ongoing cycle. The key is to embrace it, not focus on what others will think, and just start doing it. Something always sprouts from action. So that's really interesting. I, I like that idea, Vedi. Vedi, I hope I say your name correctly, that you kind of do learn as a human being through, you do learn, not kind of, you do learn through trial and error. I'm watching my kid learn how to crawl, how to pull himself up and walk, and and uh, there is no judgment on that stuff, right? Like nobody, nobody watches a baby learn to crawl. And when he can't do it, go, you stupid, you suck. God, why are you so dumb, baby? Crawl. <laughs> but th- that's what we do to ourselves, right? We internalize some kind of negative self-talk, whatever that is. And, and we crucify ourselves emotionally. Um, uh, and I think some of that is, uh, you know, societal stuff trying to, we're trying to not push away from the tribe. There is a survival in numbers instinct, which is absolute truth. You don't, you don't want to separate from the herd. That's dangerous, right? You're vulnerable that way. And sometimes your herd is a dysfunctional group of shit bags that don't want to see you succeed. Maybe there are people who they're haters, you know, haters come in your own family. Haters come in the form of friends in the form of meaning, you know, they mean well, um, aunts, uncles, pastors, whoever. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, a lot of external, internal guilt about trying something new. I wonder what the guilt, I'm trying to think of, yeah, back in the day when I started comedy, there was a little bit of guilt. The guilt is about um, wanting to be branching out, you know, wanting to be doing your own thing, wanting to be better than your station. You know what I'm saying? You want to be bigger. You want to spread your wings. And there's guilt over that because you think that you're helping people by staying back, right? You think that if you are, uh, you keep yourself down, maybe other people are going to like you more. Maybe you're, uh, yeah, maybe you're going to get the approval you want. If you keep yourself beneath the, the assholes that want you to be beneath them, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Sometimes people like it when you're not doing uh, better than them. Believe me, that is fucking horrifying. But what a nice uh, way of putting it. So thank you, Vedi, VD, for, for um, sending that email in. Oh, my gosh. So I got this one. This is such a cute. Uh, this is from a 20-year-old named Diane. Okay, hold on. <coughs> so there's this this sweet guy who wrote in. He's a 20-year-old male. Uh, I live in my parents' One bathroom house with six of us. Holy moly. Mom, dad, 14-year-old sister, homeless cousin, and her terrible non-house trained dog. And my heroin addict uncle that frequently steals from all of us. (laughs) 
we live in Ohio. I have to pay for everything I own, including groceries for myself because we do not have much. My car is paid off. I work as a janitor for one of the giant mega Christian churches full of rich, snobby white people. As you can imagine, there is completely zero chance of me even having a conversation with any of these lunatics, especially. Okay. So he's talking about the, the podcast. Anyways, he says he's currently saving as much money as possible. Given the situation uh, that I am in, I never eat out or go anywhere, do anything. Every time I get intense anxiety about not saving the money I just spend on bullshit. I'm getting really close to my goal of $3,000. I've been waiting to hit the eject button on my life for such a long time. And the time is near. Hurrah. Congratulations, Dan. So, but Dan writes, here's the problem. I would love to hear your opinion on what it feels like to finally throw your hands in the air and say, fuck this shit and go live the hippie dream. What should I expect to feel? I got so caught up in the process of escaping my horrible life that now that I'm getting closer to the end of the diving board and knowing I don't have any other choice, am I supposed to uh, be this scared? I was expecting excitement and I've already been to the frontier of northern Canada for a fly-in fishing trip with my friends for weeks at a time so far into nature that emergency radios don't even work. I can honestly say that I was never anxious on the trip at all other than our surprise moose encounter. But this trip, this next trip is the permanent one hustling out there in the free world or whatever I can find. It seems more and more insane. The closer the time gets, is this normal? (sighs) Yeah, man. Can I tell you something, Dan? I love it. Thank you for writing. Oh, this is sweet. He sends me a picture of him tripping on um, five grams of mushrooms. Daniel. Yeah, I mean, look, one thing people don't talk about um, when they take a leap of faith uh, is that there's a reason it's called a leap of faith, right? What's that stupid card that everybody has? Leap and the net will appear. Well, sometimes the net doesn't appear right away. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes, um, no, all the time. Look, I left my home at 17 and I felt exactly the same way as you're describing. I couldn't wait to get out. I couldn't wait to stop living with my mom and my crazy stepdad and all the insanity that I grew up around. And, and yeah, um, you're supposed to feel terrified because you're about to let go of something that sucks. Didn't we just talk about this, right? Um, what you're in now is terrible. I mean, everything I I read sounds horrendous, right? So then there's that push-pull of like, but I know that suffering. I know that misery. That That's a, conc- a concrete thing that I can point to, right? But this other world of potentially wonderful things, I don't know yet. And that's terrifying. I don't know that stuff. And what is unknown to a human threatens your existence, But here's the thing. Here's the thing, my love. And for anybody listening that they're afraid of taking your leap, afraid of taking your leap, is that inside, maybe you were raised by people who did not teach you this, but inside of you is your own navigation system, is your own internal guide. And if you listen, if you really pay attention, that's why I meditate to stay in touch with that voice. If you listen to your gut, to your guide, it knows what to do. Isn't that interesting? And, and you're not taught that in school. Nobody tells you that, hey, look inside yourself for the answers because they're there. They're all there. But they don't want to teach you to be self-reliant in school because then there's no purpose in going to school, right? <laughs> they have to keep you uh, scared with advertising, complacent with television, uh, anxious, and all this stuff. So you'd be good consumers and you'd be good Americans and blah, blah, blah. So you have this magical thing inside of you that knows what to do. And you're going to make mistakes. I don't think anybody does everything right all the time. And that's okay, right? As we just said, you you learn to crawl, you learn to walk, uh, you learn to run, you learn to ride a bike, you learn to do all these things. And you're learning to be an adult. And it is scary. You're supposed to feel fucked up. You're supposed to be full of anxiety, when I graduated from college, I didn't sleep for about, I didn't sleep for like four years. Quite honestly, I didn't. I didn't know how to make a living. I didn't know how to pay taxes. I didn't know 
how do you get the oil changed on your car? I don't, I don't know how to do any of this adult stuff, right? You don't know. No one fucking tells you how to do anything adult. You just, you figure it out. And it sounds like, my love, you've grown up in an environment that maybe you've had to be very self-reliant already. Uh, chances are, mom and dad, maybe they didn't teach you uh, do a lot of things for you. And maybe you've had to be resourceful. And that's kind of one of the, the blessings of being a latchkey kid or being a, a, a child of fucked up parents is that you learn how to do it yourself. And although maybe people didn't tell you that all the time growing up, but you're fucking resourceful and you will figure it out and you can do it. And trust me, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. You're, you're going from being a kid to an adult and that's a process and just be patient with yourself and, and make friends and sleep on couches. And, you know, I was, uh, I lived in a kitchen for a while from my friends. Let me sleep in the kitchen on a futon at one point in my twenties. <laughs> But that's the adventure of your 20s, right? That's why I, I do this show to also let young people know that it's okay to fuck up. It's okay to be broke. It's okay to be homeless for a minute. Because <laughs> that's kind of the thing. And if you don't do all that, then you're going to really regret it later, man. You want to stay living with your fucked up family for the rest of your life? What are your options? Your options is none, son. <laughs> you got you to gotta move forward. Can I, can I, yeah, you, you listen to your rappers. You know what you need to do, Dan? Manufacture some confidence. The best people are rappers. Listen to fucking Jay-Z. Listen to the Black Album. I'm telling you, these guys know about confidence. Even if you're not really there emotionally, you listen to, <laughs> you listen to some Jay-Z and you tell me if you don't feel like you can conquer the world, right? Because <coughs> that guy had the hard knock life. I don't know. I sound like a grandma uh, talking about rap music. <laughs> I don't know shit about rap music, but I know I like me some Jay-Z. You know what I like? I like that guy fucking built himself up from nothing. From He grew up in what, the Marcy Projects uh, in, in Brooklyn? I don't know where that, what, fucking what do I know? But he grew up in this shitty neighborhood, single mom, doesn't know his dad, slangs drugs, uh, no record company wants to pick him up. Uh, he sells the first album out of the fucking back of his car, starts Rockefeller Records, Spends his money on like nice cars and flashy shit so people think he's successful when he doesn't even have the money. I mean, I love him. I love this fucking guy. I love, I love his music. I think he's great. I love that he marries like um, what, the queen, Beyonce of, of pop music. I mean, come on, come on. Balls. I love it. Okay. All right. Um, where am I with time? Let's do one more uh, email. But yeah, you know what nobody fucking tells you is that it's okay to feel fucked up all the time. The, the problem with our society is that the, the, the expectation is that you should feel happy and perfect all the time and you, and you don't. And no one explores the other shit, which is what I'm talking about. The, uh, you know, the insecurity, the, the fear, the anxiety, the self-loathing, all that stuff is real. And it's, it's not all the time. You don't feel that way, hopefully, all the time. But yeah, it's normal before you, you embark on a major life change to be full of feelings that are ambiguous and ambivalent and, uh, and terrifying because life isn't always black and white, right? There's all the gray. There's all the gray. And that's most of life is the gray, not the black, not the white. There you go. Okay. Okay. So this uh, letter comes in. I love this. Um, uh, this is so apropos what a great name. This girl's name is Dakota. That's a cool fucking chick name, right? How come I didn't get a cool name like Dakota? I like that. Or like Sam. I love it when girls are named Sam. There's some kind of like Charlie or something weird. Okay. Uh, long story short, my boyfriend is an exceptional human being who has been cursed with a family that fucking sucks. Over the years, he's seen everything from suicide attempts, Severe substance abuse, mental illness, bitter divorce, religious delusions, and emotional vampirism to the max. All within his immediate family unit. Welcome to the club. I think I should make a pin so that we can all uh, join a society of people with crazy family. I, it just should be a club. Is there? And I, I don't think it should be Al-Anon. Or, is that what Al-Anon is? I think I should start going. <laughs> 
Okay, so the boyfriend comes from an unfortunate family. In contrast, she writes, I have a tight-knit relationship with my very functional family, a.k.a. normal, right? My parents have been together 30-plus years, and I actually enjoy talking to slash seeing them on a regular basis. That's so great. I really want my kid to love me that way. Please, God. That's all I want. Now, I'm not the annoying eternal optimist you're probably picturing, as I've certainly had some trauma in my life. It's just never involved my parentals. Lately, I can't help but think about how our incredibly different families might adversely affect our individual relationship. Sometimes I feel inadequate as a partner because I can't understand what he's going through. Of course, I'm always available to listen, but is that truly enough? I feel like any advice or input um, I offer isn't valuable, and that sucks. Am I a cuntbag to even feel that way? Are these feelings normal slash valid? See, everyone wants to know what normal is. Believe me. I hate this shit that there's normal. It's not true. There is a normal. <laughs> okay, so she says, I know you've had family. How do you feel about Tom's relationship with his parents being as solid as it is? Yes, yes, yes. Um, how, what do you plan on saying to baby jeans when he's old enough to ask about your mom and dad? I was thinking both of you might be able to come on and discuss this. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Tommy's out right now, but um, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Okay, so this is exactly my my situation, right? I, I come from my family, and my husband comes from a pretty pretty functional place. He uh, loves his dad, his mom, the sisters, and I love his dad, his mom, and his sisters. And I'll tell you something, man. Um your your I don't know if this is your boo yeah your boo, um, now oh, hold on, okay I'll I'll, I'll get to the second part. Uh, if your boo wants to get better, which I I desperately wanted to be normal, I desperately wanted to get better. Um, he'll appreciate the fact that you come from a tight knit, uh, functional family, as you say, because. I think deep down, those of us that didn't have all that stuff really really crave that stuff we 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 missed out on the the good feelings and the the good holidays and the good dinners and all the good things that come with a tight family and i think that's probably why he he likes you i guess i i mean i don't know you guys but i'm assuming that he wouldn't be into you if he was into keeping the cycle of bullshit in his life because people that aren't interested in getting healthy will just pick shitty people to be with over and over and over and over again and he likes you And yeah, I mean, honestly, I know that Tom can't relate to the wackiness that I share with him. Now, here's here's the two pronged thing to that. okay? and I know a lot of people that have dysfunctional shit in their families want to be with someone who also has it in their family so that they can compare notes and they can get all miserable together. And but and I'm saying I'm not saying that doesn't always work. Sometimes it works really well. When two people come from similar, you know, maybe the both of them have mentally ill parents, drunk parents, whatever, and, it, and it's great. But they have to want to be better. They have to want to get better. They have to want to improve their station, not just keep the cycle of a hurt going and, and abuse going and all that stuff. So on the one hand, yeah, guess what? My husband's never really going to underst- understand, understand, understand. Um, the second part is I don't want him to. <laughs> I don't necessarily need him to. I don't because I have a wonderful therapist who does get it. I have friends who've been through a lot of similar stuff and they get it the way I need that mirroring, that validation stuff to happen. But my husband, I look to as somebody who knows what functional is and has been teaching me in a way, what functional is. In addition to me seeing my therapist and reading millions of self-help books and praying and meditating <laughs> and working on my shit for years and years, I I don't want him uh, to be where I am. I want him to be better than me so that he can teach me the right way and that I can help my son grow up in a better environment than I did. And I, I really, because um, I don't want Ellis to necessarily know everything i don't think he needs to know that and i i don't want him to feel the way i did ever uh, i don't think he, <laughs> he doesn't need that so uh so yeah i download to my shrink and i i try to to go to the bar that my husband sets put it that way and i'm thankful but he, he does listen to me and i now this is also a, a, another thing okay sidebar to that for those of us that have fucked up families 
and we have wonderful spouses who are very understanding and don't come from the same shitty background as you, there's a limit to the amount of complaining and the amount of bitching I do about said family of origin to my husband because it makes him miserable. You think he wants to hear every single time, you know, I have to deal with my mom's whatever death things or so-and-so in my family said something crazy and, um, and I have to deal with it. Like I, I try to protect him, I guess is the right word because he doesn't need to get bummed out every time I get bummed out, (laughs) which is why, um, therapy is very important. Now you write, Oh, and one more thing. My dude has said time and time again that he doesn't need therapy, but he definitely, and she wrote in italics, definitely harbors anger over his situation and is often misdirected sometimes at me. What the fuck did I just say? Because here's the thing. If you have all this crazy stuff happening and you don't have a proper outlet, a.k.a. therapist, a.k.a. talk space, whatever the fuck, you will take out your shit on your spouse, on your kids, on your dog, on your coworkers, on your friends. And that's why it's really important to have an escape valve, guys. If you come from trauma, if you if you, you got to get someone to rewire your brain, essentially, you need a shrink to to uh help your thinking because you don't you don't you're in your own loop, man. You don't know what's normal. You don't. So she says, for example, he will point out one of his bad qualities and directly attribute it to being, quote, half of my asshole dad or, quote, half of my crazy mom. I think this is really unhealthy and unfair. We're late 20s, have been together a long time, and I hope that getting married is the next step for both of us. But before this happens, I really want him to address these issues. We had a horrible experience with a therapist as, oh, he had a horrible experience with a therapist as a teenager, as did I, and seems to be permanently turned off to the idea. But I really think it'll benefit both of us. Any advice for nudging him in the right direction? Absolutely. Okay, so you've got a reluctant... Listen, I had horrible experiences with shrinks, too. I did. As a teenager, um, you know, I I went to shrinks that told me fucking bullshit. Uh, Shrinks that let my mom lie. Uh, Shrinks that, you know, they're not all great, dude. They're not. They're not all winners. That's why you must persist and you must find a good one. You must ask your friends who they see and get a referral from that person. Get referrals, man. It's just like anything else. Like not everybody's perfect at what they do for a living. For fuck's sake, dentists, doctors, everybody, everybody. Not everybody's perfect. Okay, so here's what you say to him. Anybody listening, if you have a spouse that needs help and they're clearly not, these motherfuckers need a wake-up call, okay? They need a wake-up call. Tell him, because I'm sure he's got abandonment issues. Hello, we all do. You know, Dakota, you tell your boo-boo. Tell your boo-boo. Boo-boo, I love you. It's been the happiest time of my life being with you. I want nothing more for us than to live together for the rest of our lives, build a family, whatever. But I sense that you're unhappy when X, Y, and Z comes up. I sense your unhappiness when this topic of your parents or whatever, every time your mom comes around, you start spiraling. And it affects me because I can't help you enough. And I want to help you. And I so much want you to get help. Is there any way you would reconsider seeing a therapist? And I advise um, that he would go alone in the beginning. Maybe you go to a separate person. He goes to a separate person. And maybe later you guys meet up and see a shrink together, a therapist together. Just because he's got to probably work through his stuff first before he can kind of go to you. I'm assuming unless, I don't know. Unless you get, you sound like you guys have it pretty much worked out, but, uh, but yeah, just tell him, man, look, I love you, but I, I can't always, I feel like I can't help you enough. And I feel like you need the help because I see you spinning. I see that this fucks you up. I see every time, um, you get down on yourself, you're like, well, half my asshole dad, half my crazy mom. And, and, and it is unhealthy and it is unfair. It's not, it's not cool for him to identify all the time his bad stuff with his folks, which I, I've done that. Hello. But because that's, it, it gets you into self-loathing and, and all kinds of fun issues like that. And then before you know it, he'll be like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. I need to go to open mics. And then you're really in for it. So yeah, Dakota, let me know what he says. Please, please, please try to get this guy uh, to see a shrink. And I look, they're not all great, but find the great one. Jesus Christ and stick to them. Hello. All right.
I think that's it. That's all I got. I, I hope this was helpful to you guys. Um, I just loved that book. I was reading it and I was like, oh, man, how many other people are uh, feeling the same shit? They've got to be because it's so prevalent. They're like everybody's an alcoholic. I feel like there's so many people with um, addiction issues, not just alcohol, but sex or drugs or whatever the fuck it is. Like, there's a reason AA is really popular. <laughs> a lot it's out there and i get it it's hard it's it's uh it's it's hard not to try to look outside yourself when you're bummed out right it's hard it's hard not to be like let's just fucking get drunk man <laughs> let's get faded right let's just get faded fucking who cares all right kiddos that's it that's my episode and um what am i gonna do this week oh i'm home this week i'm so stoked got can I tell you my absolute favorite thing in the world is to do not a lot. I love being home. I love uh, just hanging with the kid and the husband and the dogs and the life and the simple life, man. Simple, simple, easy life is my favorite. That's me turning down the volume. On this. Um, yeah. All right. Email me. That's the pro podcast at gmail.com. Please use my Amazon banner. As I said before, check me out live. I promise to be a lot more funny at these shows <laughs> that I do live. I find, you know, I can't, I can't be funny 24 seven. It's like, I don't know. So I do this show. I like to talk about the shit that, uh, the subtext, if you will, to what's going on, the unconscious subtext to life. Cause there is one. And I, I believe we all share it somewhere. We're all in the same boat, right? There's only one of us here. We're all spokes in the same wheel, man. There's no difference. There's no she. There's no he. There's no black. There's no white. There's no Latino. There's no Asian. There's nothing. It's all... We're all wearing meat costumes, guys. It's all different meat costumes. Meat and cheese. And we're all one collective, right? I believe that. The the older I get, the more I believe that. I read that 10 years ago, and I thought, fuck this. This is so dumb. And then you live a little and you're like, oh, yeah, that dude just wants the same shit I want. Or that girl, that girl is me. That girl is a part of me. That girl is similar to me. That girl was me in the past or maybe will be me in the future. Or we're, all, we're all looking for the same. There's, there's, no, there's no difference here. There is no you. There is no me. Believe me. All right, guys, that's been Deep Bro. Um, have a great week. Go live your life. Go be afraid and do it anyways and get your entire, entire life. Okay, bye guys. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.